0: Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure.
1: Hello, TTB community. I am Bob Domena, and here with me, as always, is the incredibly aristocratic Elliot Shibley Thank you for joining me. So each week, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and some of our very own personal travel experiences. Before we start the show, we do wanna ask if you have any travel news that you want us to discuss on the podcast, we want to encourage all of you to send it to us. Uh, and and if you do, we will not only break it down, we'll give you a shout out, we'll thank you for doing it, because it, it there's a lot of travel news out there. So any help we can get, um, would be great, and we sometimes miss things. We sometimes miss important travel news. You can send it to us at travelersblueprint at gmail.com, or you can DM us through Instagram. We're we're very responsive there. So uh, we appreciate it in advance if you decide to do that. All
2: right. And we are going to be discussing Yellowstone today. There is an incident yet again with the wildlife, and it resulted in the death of a 25-year-old woman, why the airline industry is in disarray, and ways you can plan ahead. We look at travel book recommendations, which is a take on our uh, question rapid-fire questions from our normal interview episodes. Talk about electric cars and electric car infrastructure. We talk about hotel gouging. And lastly, some summer travel tips to help ensure you get to your destination. Travel tip is check for cheaper flight options by booking multiple flights. For example, instead of booking from NYC to Dubai directly, see if there's a cheaper flight from NYC to Paris and then Paris to Dubai You can easily do this on Google Flights, and if you want help, we encourage you to purchase our video tutorials. Before we get started, uh, if you find this podcast interesting, if you love this podcast, even if you just like this podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes or any other platform. But if you really do love us and cherish us, we'd be forever grateful if you could subscribe to the show on every platform, whether that's social media or your favorite podcast platform, and share us with your friends and family. Uh, Remember, we post clips and images onto our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter every week, and we encourage you to give us some feedback. Ask any questions that you have for that conversation or any future conversation.
1: And lastly, please consider some of the cool things we offer. How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page. And once you download it, you have it forever and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better.
0: To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one, navigation, number two, booking airfare, Number three, blogs, research, and reviews. Number four, itinerary building. And number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to plan efficient trips now and forever. All the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure.
1: Yeah. And now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much, or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at the travelers, at gmail.com, or visit our service pages on our website. And we can meet over zoom to discuss the details of your trip.
0: You want to contribute to the podcast. If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel around table discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or at the at gmail.com for the monthly travel bites episode. Support us by wearing us go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the travelers blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us, as we interview our guests know that we greatly value your support as a listener of the show
1: okay, so this first article is pretty sad it's pretty sad, but for some reason it continues to happen. so a woman in Yellowstone National Park got too close to a bison and it it gored her it tossed her ten feet into the air and um it gored her and it killed her twenty five woman twenty five year old woman from Ohio she was about twenty she was about two miles northwest of Old Faithful. <clears throat> I uh, so I've been around bison personally. I've been to uh, that area. I haven't been to Yellowstone yet, but I've been to bison. I've been pretty close. I've never even gotten out of my car to approach one. They are unsuspecting, right? Like they're these large animals. Yeah. They're kind of like cows. They're just sort of grazing. They don't come across like they're not predatory. So they no, they don't terrifying. come across as a true threat. The size of them alone is 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 extremely terrifying, and. Yeah, they don't like to be approached. So it's really sad, man. And I don't understand why people continue to get so close to these animals. Yeah. No, it's and, an- it's,
2: and it's – but in the age of, you know, everyone having access to a camera on their phone, it seems to be more and more times that it's recorded. Um, I, I don't know if I've told you this. We've talked about this, these incidents at Yellowstone often. But mm-hmm. I went to Yellowstone with my dad when I was uh, 11 or 12. And we spent a week there and I remembered this section of near Old Faithful where it kind of goes up little knolls and then it's kind of wooded. My dad and I were walking on this trail and we came up over this hill and then around this group of trees and there were probably three or four bison, maybe 10 yards away from us mm-hmm. and we just walked the other way. And it, yeah. I mean, they're they're huge and they're terrifying. And as an
1: 11 or 12 year old, you're like, oh my God. Yeah. They, they are. Yeah, one of my closest encounters with wildlife was in uh, – oh, it, it was in Olympic National Park in Washington. I was hiking a mountain and as I came around the corner, there were tons of these bighorn sheep and I was sort of stuck with them and they were, they were coming towards me. So they were walking behind me. I, I moved off trail and let them pass and then as I started walking behind them just to stay on the trail and continue up the mountain, they would stop and so I would stop and it was this really odd place I was in because I was up on a mountain on the trail, not, not a lot of room to really move out of the way. So I just tried to let them walk ahead of me, but it's still scary. These sheep can, you know, knock you down, hurt you. If they oh, gore yeah. you in the leg and you're stranded on a mountain, it just isn't worth it for what, for a picture. Um, I don't I, you know, it, it seems obvious to say it like you shouldn't have to say it. But obviously, don't go near these animals, not if you mm. don't want to risk getting hurt. So sure. it's, not Disney it's really sad for this woman, um, her family, really sad situation that you hope is avoided in the future. Next. Next. The next article. If you ever wanted to be a pilot, now is the time. Now is absolutely the time. So the travel industry is sort of in disarray right now. 6,000 flights were canceled, I think, just past the, the past – uh, weekend so mid, yeah, which mid-June. is mid June. Yeah the right. 18th. So they're struggling. The major airlines are struggling. I know in addition to this, uh I saw American Airlines knocked three airports off of their like des uh, not destination, yeah. like flight list. Like they're mm-hmm. not gonna operate out of these airports anymore. And it essentially comes down to pilot shortage. I-, I I think there's more to it, but a big part of it is pilot shortage. So if you remember um COVID nineteen hit and flights stopped, halted globally. And the airlines offered incentives to older pilots to retire early. So I think there was some sort of payoff package. They got to retire. And the airlines didn't have to fire as many pilots. What the industry didn't account for was how quickly we would recover from COVID-19 and how quickly travel would pick up again. And they just haven't had the time to train the pilots, train new pilots to get up to the pent up demand. Demand is as it is high, as high as it ever was pre COVID yet. We don't even have close to the amount of pilots. That's what's I think at the, the foundation of all of these problems. Um, yeah, yeah. And which is scary, too, because you don't want exhausted pilots. And, and no, some of the things <clears throat> in, this, in this article are saying, you know, so around 50 Delta pilots protested in New York, saying that by this fall, they expected to have worked more overtime in 2022 than they did in all of 2018 and 2019 combined. Yeah. It's, you, you, you don't want overworked pilots.
2: Not at all. So, not in the slightest. I mean, so if you're, if you're looking to get into the travel world, this is your opportunity <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, in a past life, I would have become an airline pilot. I I didn't have the travel bug that I have today that I did as a, as a a younger person who would have been able to sort of take that route. But being a pilot, commercial pilot sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, it is pretty cool.
1: I mean, it it seems pretty cool. It's not like I'm a commercial pilot. (laughs) Yeah. All right. This next one is all about books. So we, this article is essentially on recommended books, by the country. So it's a, it says ambassadors recommend the one book to read before visiting their country. And just to give you an idea, so like Costa Rica, the book was A Traveler's Literary Companion. Um, Tischnik by Wolfgang Herdenorf for Germany. Freedom and Death by Nikos Kazantzakis for Greece. I'm sorry if I, I butchered that. I definitely butchered that. Uh, and essentially, like, I just... I like this article because it gets the wheels turning on buying a book before you visit a country it's something that I yeah. already do I did it for Machu Picchu when we were in Machu Picchu together I bought that book called Turn Right at Machu Picchu yeah. which I loved I thought it was a phenomenal book I remember reading it like on the plane there and, and I think on the train for a little bit I did it again when I went to Italy I bought a book on Rome and really understood the history I know we talked about it on the podcast probably a little too much I had too much <laughs> information on the history Um yeah, you Such want a book awesome that will whet idea. your appetite. Yeah, yeah. Help you, so help
2: you figure out what you want to see while you're in the country.
1: Yeah, kind of get everything going, get the excitement, the anticipation, learn a little bit, understand the history, the culture. It all, it all adds together and builds up. Well, I, I, because we're talking about it, I'm actually in the middle of reading a travel book right now that I absolutely love. It is a New York Times bestseller, and it is called um, – uh, Geography of Bliss, One Grump's uh, Search for the Happiest Countries on the Planet. It's written by a guy named Eric Wiener. He is an NPR journalist who spent a decade of his life as a as a war correspondent in the Middle East, uh, was miserable because of the death and despair he had to witness and report on. And so he got the idea to travel around the world and try to find the happiest cultures on the planet. He I'm halfway through the book. He's been to Switzerland. He went to Bhutan, which was f- Phenomenally interesting there. Qatar, which I found super interesting culture. They don't have a culture, um, which is crazy. That is a culture. Dude, Qatar doesn't have a culture. They, 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 they sprung to riches so fast from oil money that they've essentially they, – they have no – like the history is sort of lost. And they're just so wealthy that they're just trying to buy happiness. And so he didn't like it, but
0: it's interesting.
1: just, yeah, super interesting. I, so I, 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 like saw I find this
2: book interesting because, and that you're reading it now, 14 <clears throat> years after it was written, because it came out in 2008.
1: It just crossed my radar.
2: Yeah. yeah. Just and crossed I, my radar. I mean, back when I was in, in college studying geography, this was not specifically this book, but this concept of glo- global national happiness and the global national happiness index, and This idea of uh, measuring a country's happiness instead of its GDP as a measure of success and growth. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. It's pretty cool. uh, he, He has a quote in there. He has a line in there. You should measure a country's happiness by its product, not by its system. So in the United States, we tend to look at our system, not the product, which is the people at the end. And so whatever you put more value to, so if you put value on the actual people and, and, and the product, you can see which countries are doing it right. And which countries are struggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah, it's a nice little, it's not a complete comprehensive list. It's not going to have every all 195 countries, but it's got a good chunk of them in there. So if you're planning your next international trip, check out that list in our show notes and pick up a book on your way over. All right. And this, this next one is near and dear to my heart. Um, it is, again, about electric vehicles, and it it's not really, the article itself is fairly short. It's just that an electric Fiat uh, drives at highway speeds without running down the battery thanks to inductive charging. That's pretty much the headline. That's pretty much the entire article. But what I really wanted to get into here is the future implications of this, because as some of you know, uh, electric vehicles are mostly zero emissions, but you don't look at the entire life cycle in that calculation. and. There's been some research that shows that electric vehicles actually do have a high upfront cost of CO2 footprint because of the battery production. So the larger the battery, the more CO2 is produced, and it kind of creates an issue with the actual sustainability and net overall CO2 production. But with this concept, and by the way, inductive charging is very similar to your wireless charging of your phones or your induction cooktop. It's the same technology and laws of physics. It's pretty cool. So the idea of this is that you can have smaller batteries in cars that are a little bit more efficient, and you may only need you know 150, 200 miles. Because if you're able to have this induction coil in all highways, which you know very, it's just mostly copper and maybe some aluminum, and you can actually keep a vehicle charged at the same level it entered the highway for the entire length of its journey on that highway and then you would only need a battery to get to your final destination on local roads or through cities.
1: I I don't, I'm not as versed in this as you are and it, the technology is still hard for me to grasp. So uh, a self-inducting battery, is that the proper way to describe it? So you have this car on the highway with smaller batteries and they can maintain charge yeah. by continuously charging themselves?
2: Yeah, so the, it's, it's wireless charging. It's just a coil in that's built into the road. But the coil has to be charged. Yeah, so the, choil, the coil is electrified. There's basically a magnetic field, an electric magnetic field that is produced and charges the battery while it's on the highway.
1: So Okay, so you have a wireless charging station inside of your car that helps maintain a charge on the highway. So you need to be moving at a certain speed for no, the charging to work? you can just sit there. Okay. So that, but, and that charge will eventually run out? No. So then why would you ever have to charge your car
2: again? Well, because they're only going to be using this in highways. They're not going to do it in all local roads because local roads require a lot of other utilities to be inside that road. So maintenance becomes a lot more difficult. Highways don't have a lot of utilities underneath them. So you build that copper tubing or aluminum coils into the pavement structure.
1: Oh, okay. I, I missed the part where there's something in the road. Yes. Interesting. So you, the batteries in the car getting charged from the road itself. Yeah. So like you Are you familiar with wireless phone charging? Like how you just set yeah, your yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the same no, thing. I understand. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I get it now.
2: Interesting. Yeah. yeah very cool. I mean, that, that has the ability to change so much. Yeah, it
1: seems massive. Actually, it, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: and it it just reduces the overall usage of rare earth metals because
1: we don't have to have such big batteries. So okay, so one of the solutions to the the rare earth mineral shortage, right? Because there is a shortage going on right now. That's the big thing. Um, would be increasing. I get you, so. Charging cars on the roadway as they drive on the yeah. highways as they drive, yeah.
2: and they, they so you need less basically batteries, prove smaller that
1: batteries. That magnetic
2: field that is created on the highway doesn't pose a threat to wildlife or individuals. Same as your electric charging docking station, your wireless docking station doesn't affect you at all.
1: It's so all cool. you need to do now is uh, this very simple task of having the government fund this infrastructure change. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, okay, no problem. Yeah. Should do it. They should approve that tomorrow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let's- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one, well, there was a conversation between the CEOs of the five world, the, the five of the world's largest hotel chains were talking, NYU International Hospitality, Marriott, Hilton, um, Hyatt. And so these guys got together and they started talking about uh, <clears throat> the pent-up demand um, and sort of, I just ran through some of the major things that they're seeing with the uptick in the hotel industry. They did say that although there is a recession on the horizon, they're not seeing that in their industry. So they feel good. So consumer spending on travel, which is actually a big indicator of where like, so when a recession does hit the travel industry is one of the things that gets hit the hardest because when people need to conserve their money for necessities, travel is one of the first things to go, yep. uh, so the fact that people are still spending a ton of money on travel is a good sign for the, for the industry, for the market, for potential future recession concerns. Um, they said China is probably out for the foreseeable future. They still have not opened their borders to international travelers. Um, who knows when they are? And so that's still up in the air. I don't, I don't know if anybody's thinking about going to China. I'm not. Are you? We were, but we're not anymore. <laughs> no, no. No. Um, They said not to expect hotel bargains anytime soon because of the high demand. So things just are so expensive right now.
2: And they were drilled
1: on price gouging too. Right. right.
2: They basically said, well, no, we're not price gouging, which there's still yet to be seen in terms of data, but they're just saying that there's higher costs of goods, which means
1: they have to, everyone has to spend more on everything. So the price will naturally go up. Right. Right. But again, yeah, I'd be curious to see this profit margin, <laughs> the data on that. Uh, the other thing that is, is interesting, so this is something that was coming back or, or, or getting debated before the pandemic. And it was, do you still need new towels every day? Do you need new sheets every day? Do you need your room cleaned every day? Like, should you still, should that be included in, in the hotel uh, service? like, you know, system while you're there. The new towels, like, there's a lot of energy that goes into cleaning these towels if you multiply that by every hotel across the country every day. Personally, I don't think you do. Um, The debate is now... There's a lot of people that
2: do like that. And that's right. why that's they do stay in a hotel rather than
1: stay in an Airbnb. Right. So maybe they should that. charge you extra for that and it shouldn't be included. Maybe it's an additional amenity like that you get yeah. well, to for. Well, I think for. some
2: hotel chains will continue doing that and others will drift away to being more of like the self-service, more sustainable yeah. appearance.
1: And, but, and one of the things they were talking about with the lack of um, people. To, to work at these hotels, there's a labor shortage. They're saying, don't expect them now because they don't even have the ability to do them um, with oh, the wow. lack of workers. Yeah. And then the last thing is, they see no sign of people being scared of the pandemic anymore as far as bookings go, as far as travel goes. It appears that the numbers match pre-COVID travel numbers. So um, from a... Like from the pandemic's perspective like or from the perspective of the pandemic, it does not appear to be hindering travel at all anymore. And uh, lastly, so we want to offer some tips on helping you book travel. It is going to be crazy if you do plan on traveling internationally or domestically. There are a few things that you could try to do to ho- help you make it a smoother process. But I would say before we even get into this list, anticipate um, having a hard time. It seems like anticipate getting your your flights delayed and canceled and stuff like that. So let's just run through some of these. Number one, the easiest, leave a buffer. Plan ahead. Give yourself enough time for traffic, for delays. I think there's a lot to
2: unpack and just leave. Well, you say leave early with a buffer, but leave or provide a buffer could be a financial buffer,
1: a timing buffer, a geography buffer. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Um Absolutely. Yeah. Uh Book nonstop flights if you can. Obviously, that's the, 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 the half the headache with flight delays is if you have the layover, and then that just pushes your entire trip back. Uh, this is a great rule. The rule that I followed before the pandemic was minimum of two hours if you have a layover. I should say it depends on the airports. Like if I was flying into Chicago, O'Hare, or Atlanta, Major huge airports. I would try to give myself two hours. If you're flying into like Charlotte, and my east coasters will know that that's like a major layover airport. You can do less because the airport's super tiny. So if you understand the difference in the airports and how big they are and how you can navigate them, you you might not need two hours. But I've had I've caught it close to Chicago. Like ran as fast as I could, out of breath, sweating, just to make my flights there. So minimum so of two you're hours. You were
2: basically like brisk walking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have good lung capacity. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, <man. laughs> this is this is uh, another one. Use your carry-on for all essentials. Yeah, I don't know how you pack, but I kind of pack that way already. Yep. The things I need are kind of on me at all times. Um, if you can, only carry-on. No checked luggage. That's a hard one that I'm learning now with kids. Like, not hard. Like, impossible. Um, backup transportation. Let's say your flight's delayed. Maybe you can just... Cancel the flight altogether, or if your flight's canceled, just grab a car from the airport and hit the road if you're doing something <laughs> domestic. Um, uh, check check your airline. So download the app. Make sure you're up to date on flight cancellations. Um, yeah, check your credit card
2: I mean, I feel like most people should be doing that. A even lot of before this, pandemic.
1: yes. And then, um, oh, if your your flight is delayed, make sure you know your rights as far as getting a voucher or getting reimbursed. So the airlines, if they cancel your flight, and they are required to reimburse you. And I think the the money the varies, but you are you are um, able to get something back if your flight's canceled. Or Could they you imagine you if they didn't have to give that to you? They just the cancel flight.
2: flights all the time.
1: Right. Just so for no reason. so make sure you do it. But we be polite. Be polite. The, the the person working at the front desk obviously has no control over your flight getting canceled. Be polite to that person. They're dealing with a lot. People working in the travel industry right now are feeling the brunt of it. It's been hard for them. Be a good person. Be stoic. Be nice. Be, Be understanding. And, and yeah, <laughs> um, um, that's it. That's the last piece of advice. Yep.
2: Yeah. So up this month, we have a travel around table on different ways to navigate a new city and different perspectives on that. And then we've got Dave Seminar on the psychology of travel addicts. That is a fun conversation that I think all of you will enjoy. So we really appreciate you listening to our monthly Travel Bites episode. If you love the show, again, you can support our podcast non-financially through supporting it or through sharing it, uh, rating it, doing whatever if you do want to support us financially to help go towards our production costs. You can do as little as a dollar a month through through buy us a coffee. And it, would, it does mean the world to us that you're supporting the show and you're listening to the show. Um, so stay safe, stay healthy, and tune in next week.